the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This is The Next Generation with me, your host, McKenna Cassidy. For the next 30 minutes, I invite you to explore with me what young adults are up to in the Italian wine scene. Today, let's feast on our discussion of Italian wine, travel, food, and culture. Thank you for being here. Grab a glass with us. Chin chin. Cool. So I'm McKenna I'm here with Luigi Di Maggio Norante. He is the grandson of the founder of Di Maggio Norante Wines, correct? And Hi, it's Mikhen. a joy. Hi. Hi, Michael. I'm Luigi. I'm 22 years old, and I work in the commercial side of the Di Maggio Norante family. That's awesome. And you're coming here to us today from where? I'm coming from Rome, because during the weekends, usually I'm staying there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, during the week, uh, usually I'm staying at the Di Maiorante family or anywhere the work uh, brings me to. So any, any market that, we, that I'm following, for example, Germany or Belgium and uh, other places. Cool. I'm so excited to learn about all the different places you've traveled. And so this winery is awesome. We don't usually get to interview producers from Molise. So uh, Di Maggio Naranto is in Molise, and I'm really excited to, to dive into the wines here. And then Luigi has an awesome perspective on the under-30s generation of Italian wine drinkers and international wine drinkers are interested in exploring. And so I'm excited to learn from him and get a new perspective. So thank you in advance. <laughs> I'd say that Molise is not uh, famous for wine winemaking. We're actually the first winery in Molise that started to produce uh, qualitative wines. We're the first winery that who have uh, vinificated Tintilia, which is the local variety. Mm-hmm. We're the first winery who planted Aglianico grapes in, uh, in Molise. And we're the, maybe the first winery that uh, made it to a worldwide market because many local producers are not to um, focus on quality mm-hmm. and internationalization of the um, Molise wines, mm-hmm. while we were the first wines to actually uh, bring the wines from this region internationally and in terms of also of uh, pricing. Oh, fabulous. And so your grandfather started the winery, and can you tell me like kind of when he started it and why? Okay, so uh, the, my grandmother family was a okay. noble family in, uh, in Molise. After a couple of political reforms and everything, they lost most of their uh, lands. Okay. They used to have more than 8,000 hectares mm. and it reduced to um, 350 because of the political reform. Okay. And then uh, with the heritage and everything, they, my grandmother remained with 40 hectares in the southern part of Molise. Okay. And in there, my grandfather was, uh, was producing uh, many agricultural products together with wine. Okay. He started to discover that there was a lot uh, in the territory to exploit in terms of uh, winemaking. So he started okay. to, to focus a lot on qualitative wines. Okay. And the winery started to get recognized uh, in Italy and a little bit internationally. Then from the around the 90s, my father started to cover also the wine business of, uh, of my grandfather. And uh, in that part, the winery really did the, the step up to become like a really important player in uh, Italian winemaking. 
Wow. Uh, now we count around 140 hectares, about 40 hectares of other products such as oil, tomatoes or grains. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. Oh, wonderful. It sounds like your grandparents found like a very special passageway. Were there many other people doing the same thing or were they kind of pioneering that? I assume other people no, they were, were growing. No, they were really pioneers in, uh, okay. in that ages. There were no, no other agricultural places where they were doing wow. wines like this. And uh, yeah, we were the first ones also to experiment kind of uh, new types of uh, clones in winers, new typologies. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we really step up there. But also, I have to say, we had um, we have a very good uh, conditions to make wines. Okay. Because we're very close to the sea. We're about mm-hmm. two kilometers from the seaside. Okay. So we have like a continuous breeze that helps a lot to reduce at minimum uh, treatments in the vineyards because uh-huh. obviously there is uh, less humidity so there are uh, less possibilities for diseases to go in the vineyards. Okay. And then we have a very good thermic excursion from day to night. In the summer it can get over 20 degrees. So it helps a lot the grapes to express their um, aromatic uh, compounds, you know, mm-hmm. to, to increase the, the aromatic compounds of, uh, of the grapes. Okay, so it's a warm, dry climate. As everyone who's listening, I'm sure is aware, the Apennine Mountains run down the center of Italy and Molise is on the east coast of the country. So it's very interesting because there's access to the sea, but there's like different slopes. But your vineyards, it sounds like, are a little lower in elevation, like towards the ocean. Uh, Or do you have hillside It depends. Like, uh, we have winers uh, at the sea level, and we have also wines uh, at uh, winers, not wines, 200, 300 meters uh, above sea level. Oh, okay. Like, about 5 kilometers from the winery. Uh, Especially for uh, Tintilia and other uh, varieties. For example, Tintilia can be made only 200 meters above sea level. So oh. it's mandatory to, to have, like, the yeah. okay. to them. It needs that bit of altitude. Yeah, exactly. To have a bit cooler climate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Molise okay. is quite interesting territory. Yeah. Because it starts from the sea and it goes up until to the mountain. So it's like a steep. So it starts from the sea level and it goes up. It, yeah. It has, it has not, like, you know, mountains, then hill. No, it's, it's like an exponential yeah. slope. It just yeah, goes, exactly. like, directly high. That's very unique and it's a little bit, like concentrated towards the sea but the ma- yeah that's awesome you could be in the on the beach one hour and the next hour be yeah, exactly. up in the mountains oh how diverse that's so cool and tell me about the Molise Rosso Don Luigi like where does this wine sit is this a flagship wine of yours and then it's Montepulciano how is that made and, and what's that wine like okay for? yeah Don Luigi is the wine that actually uh, made the, the winery famous in terms of uh, pricing okay so all the Trebicchieri the wine spectator uh, over 90 points yeah. and things like this it's a Montepulciano 100% yeah. late harvest so the, the grapes are uh, picked a little bit later after uh, the normal maturation time. Okay, is that like to, October, September? Uh, it, it obviously depends on the on the vintage, yeah. but I would say about one or two weeks uh, after the normal multiple channel grapes are picked. Got it. 
It's a wine, like the true maturation, it's made to concentrate the, the taste and the aroma of the, of the wines. Mm-hmm. But we decided not to make it too strong, too powerful, too, mm-hmm. too alcoholic, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of alcohol degree. It has an aging of about two years in barrique and tonneau, mm. and then about uh, two years aging in the, um, in the bottle. Wonderful. Yeah, and uh, so it's a wine, it's a very rich wine, uh, very mm-hmm. powerful, very round. You have some notes of uh, mature fruit, some uh, vanilla, some tobacco. It's a very complex wine, mm. very, very particular. So Montepulciano is one of like the most important Italian red grapes in it. When it's vinified well, as it, you do some nice aging and some um, touch of oak, and the late harvest is very interesting because you're you're risking high alcohol, but you obviously don't need to vinify it in that way. But it's always very like plush, velvety texture, very rich but refreshing at the same time and it sounds like you have the opportunity for some altitude which will maintain that acidity as well. It's also interesting that you would do late harvest and have medium, medium plus acid. This is some of the fascinating stuff of Italian wines is like you can have this tension between richness and refreshingness at the same time and then this tension between like ripe fruit and herbs, savory notes, like dry texture that seems this opposite. So that's the ironic harmony of it all, which is so cool. Pay particular attention on when to pick the grapes. Okay. Because obviously if you go too far, you will have too high alcohol degree. Mm. But also by concentrating the grapes, Mm -hmm. you will get uh, uh, more color intensity, uh, more phenolic maturation, a higher Mm. phenolic maturation that's very important for the aromas of the wines. Mm. And also uh, a very important acidity, because obviously by uh, like uh, evaporating a little bit of water from the from the bunch, you have uh, more concentrated wine, so also a little bit higher acidity. So mm. it helps also a lot for the aging of the of the wine. Recently, we did some vertical tasting. Yeah, which we opened vintages? Bottles. So we did 90, 95, okay. uh, 2000, 2005, 2010, 15, and 20. And I have cool. to say, even the, the 1995, we're still holding on very nice. Wonderful. So it's, uh, it's very particular as a, as a tasting assay. Also, uh, sometimes we do not that far, but we do also tasting to, to control the development of the wine over time. So we see how, right. how it develops over time. We, we make tasting notes mm-hmm. to see at what point how, how it tasted and how it changed over the years. Mm-hmm. And that helps a lot to, to improve our wine over time. Okay. What's the goal of this wine or any of your wines? Is it to express Molise? Is it to make the best example of Montepulciano? Is it do both? Like, what's the goal? Yeah, actually, our philosophy is to produce wines of the highest quality Mm -hmm. by using grapes that are part of our uh, regional heritage and, and tradition. But at the same time, experimenting new techniques and technology okay. to make the, the grapes express the, the best of them and their um, terroir. Mm, wonderful. So harmony of all of the above. Yeah, exactly. With a special family touch. That's yeah. awesome. And also we have a particular care also for, uh, for nature. We are eased by the fact that we can use least, less treatment. I was talking about it before okay. about the ventilation. Right. But also we are biological since the 90s. Mm. So even before the regulation occurred. And uh, we don't use any nocive uh, substance in, uh, of any kind on the, on the treatments of the wineries. Are other producers in the area do, using treatment that uh, you choose not to, or is it kind of the trend m- of the most region? Of them, uh, most of them, I'd say no. But uh, I guess that we made this decision not for a commercial choice. Uh-huh. 
because our goal is to keep winers as, as healthy as possible. In our case, we don't need any chemicals that is nocive to, to keep the winer because we have low humidity. For us, it's enough to use biological product. In that case, we respect also nature. It's very good like for, for both, so we're very happy with it because we have uh, very healthy winers and, and uh, bunches. And okay. at the same time, we, we respect nature. Of course. Okay, a good balance. And who's the team right now? Who's the winemaker and the vineyard manager? So, in the winery, we have uh, an enological person, which is Cristoforo, okay. and an agronomical person, which is Francesco, which are then supervised by the Riccardo Cotarella Consultancy Group, okay. which is a very famous uh, enologist from, uh, from Italy. Okay. So he helps uh, us like on the quality control over time. So he supervises like what we're doing, if we're doing things correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we have also our own team. Okay. Oh, wonderful. And how far is your running from Campobasso? From Campobasso, it's about one hour, one okay. hour uh, and a half. So we are located in the southern part of the region, about two kilometers from the sea and about five from the border with Puglia. Okay. So we're far south in the southeast in the region. Very close. Uh, and Bar it's a very small region. It's, I think, the second smallest region in, in Italy. It's, it's, not very, it's not very populated. Yeah. It's not too far to go from, from one place to another. I'm excited to go someday. I have yet to go and... I think it has its own unique beauty uh, amongst all of Italy. Molise is different yeah, exactly. and set apart. Yeah, it has uh, many interesting facts that not many people know. For example, up in the mountains, uh, there is a very big production of uh, extraction of uh, truffles. Molise is actually the region with the highest percentage of uh, truffle hunters in, the, uh, in Italy. Yes. And, and it's very interesting because it's not a region known for those kind of products. Right, right, right. While like, we, we have multitude of them. Of course. I assume truffles go quite well with some of your wines then. Yeah, yeah. Now it's truffle season actually. Yes, so in November. Sometimes, yeah, we bring some truffles uh, from the mountains. We do also some events. Sure. And it's, uh, it's very nice. I love truffles. Oh, and they're dark truffles or light truffles? Both, white and truffles. Okay. Actually, more white than, uh, I mean... In terms of, uh, it's like a lot of white and also yeah. black. Oh, fabulous. Yes. That's great. And I'm excited to hear your personal story. But before we move there, I just wanted to recap. The winery makes wonderful expressions of Falangina, Tintilia, which is like, a Tinto means like red yes, <laughs> in exactly. Spanish. So it's a red grape. And it's it has like this tension of spicy notes, floral notes, medium rich body like very right yeah it's a it's a very particular grape it's yeah. not too powerful so it's very delicate but uh, very elegant at the same time cool. uh, so we have to stay uh, very careful when working on it because uh, if we use for example too much oak mm-hmm. or um, a barrel which is too much toasted we oh. will cover totally the flavor so uh, usually we use uh, old oak okay so old barriques in tonneau to, to make it express as it is. Otherwise, we will cover too much the flavor. Yeah. And uh, it's very particular also because it, it can be paired with different kinds of food. Uh, some people also pair it with fish. Obviously, not raw fish, but for example, a greasy type of fish that yeah. can be salmon or halibut. Or like a fattier like fish. Yes, it can exactly. go well. And uh, it's very nice. It's very refreshing wine. It's, uh, it's very particular. Coming from America, a lot of people are like, oh, I put... You know, Pinot Noir with my salmon, but I picture a world where people 
in the new world, like are putting Tintilia with their salmon instead. Yeah, it's, a, it, <laughs> it's really the goal. Yeah, it's not easy to find a pairing as for any other wine. Yeah. But yeah, pair red uh, red wine with fish, it's a complicated goal. But in my opinion, if we understand well the dish and the mm-hmm. wine, we can make an, a, a fabulous pairing. Mm-hmm. And you can add spice and richness to the fish to build it up to match the wine a little bit. Yeah, exactly. That's great. And the Italian wines always add such flavor and herbs to the dish that you would lack in many other wines. So, And then there's a, the rosé and the Greco Bianco. Could you describe the blend of the rosé? Uh, the rosé is 100% Aglianico. Okay, um, yes. Aglianico is a, it's a grape which is very tannic. Mm-hmm. So we pay a lot of attention in the contact with the skin because obviously if we put the wine in too much in contact with the skins, mm-hmm. we'll have a red wine, a tannic wine. So to keep it as fresh and floral as possible, the contact with the skin is limited at a very short time. Mm-hmm. It has an aging of about uh, six months in steel and about three months in the bottle and then uh, uh, it goes on the market. Yeah, we, we decided to keep as uh, fresh and, um, and floral as possible. Uh-huh. It's a very particular wine. and um, Is it screw cap? No, no, it's, no, it's, uh, it's cork? Uh, no cork. Okay. We're actually thinking about moving to the screw cap, uh-huh. uh, but at the moment we use cork. Okay, wonderful. Which wine that your family makes is your favorite, personally? Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal favorite, In first of all, spare the... spare time. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's the Contado. Uh, mm. maybe in terms of absolute values maybe the Sassius which is uh, his older brother mm-hmm. but the Contado it's a wine that is amazing for, uh, for its price also what's it's in one, it? Uh, it's Aliani 100% oh beautiful uh, it's a wine that uh, has won many 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 uh, prizes in terms of price to ratio quality okay actually once it won also the wine as best wine in Italy for uh, price to ratio quality it's an amazing wine. Uh, it's not too powerful. It's not too strong. It's perfect for uh, like an everyday kind of uh, meal. Totally. Uh, it's uh, it's very particular. And then also another one that is a little gem. It's uh, a passito wine. Mm-hmm. It's a royal moscato mm-hmm. dried on the plant. Thanks also to also to our ventilation, the breeze that I was talking to you about that mm-hmm. was coming from the sea. We keep the moscato grapes, the vineyard, until it's very very dry. Mm-hmm. Then we vinify it, mm-hmm. and it's a very particular wine. It's not too sweet, mm-hmm. so it has a very good balance between acidity and sweetness. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect for um, both the dessert and also for cheeses. We did many events mm-hmm. with cheese tasting, and it's a very particular product. Oh, that's fabulous. I can't wait to try that someday. It's not too rich to then start off your meal with with the cheeses. No, yeah, I would say no. that's for maybe either aperitif or uh, end yeah. of meal. Yeah, and uh, it's a wine. You know, sometimes the pasito wines, so the sweet wines, yeah. are too sweet. So you it's take true. a sip and then you stop drinking it because it's too sweet. While in this case we have this uh, good balance that uh, enrich the flavor of what you're eating or or uh, yeah drinking. That's it's, awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And tell me about yourself. What's your story? Like, we were talking before, you've been all over the world. So how, where have you been? What have you seen in wine? And then we'll talk about what the young people are drinking. (laughs) Okay, so I was born in Rome. So I grew up in Rome. I stayed there until the third year of high school. Then I moved to Canada one year and I graduated there. Okay. So I skipped the, the last year of high school in, in Italy, because in Italy high school is five years, oh, okay. in, uh, in Canada is four. And right. I went directly to um, university. I studied three years in Belgium economics, mm-hmm. and I finished last year, so 2022, and uh, now I'm working in the, in the winery. 
I first did some, uh, some experience uh, in uh, my winery, in the production side. Then I moved to the commercial part of the, of the winery. And then since uh, May until uh, one month ago, I was working in uh, Familia Cotarella, mm-hmm. also in, uh, in production. Okay. When you were traveling and doing your school in other countries, did you ever imagine not having a career in wine? Or did you always feel called to come back to wine? No, to be honest, I always wanted to, to work in wine. Since I was quite young, my father was bringing me to Vinitali, Verona, or other fairs. Okay. So I've been in contact with this, uh, with this word uh, since I was young, and I oh. always loved it. To talk people, explain about your wines, uh, to travel around. Also, I, I remember also always my father going to many countries to visit and then bringing sure. us presents. Uh, it was very nice. A uh, constant adventure. Since I was in high school, I decided that I wanted to work in the wine business. Okay. Okay. I was unsure about the, the field, so either production or commercial. Right, right. I decided to move in, uh, in the commercial part of the winery, but still doing some, uh, some experience. So I'm not in okay. analogies, but I know how to move around also in the production part. Okay. Are your friends in wine as well, or are you one of the only ones? I made many friends uh, that are winemakers. Also here, uh, where I'm, we're doing the podcast, it's I have true. some friends, and we're following some uh, oh, that's great. some courses together. But yeah, uh, I brought many many friends to the wine world. For example, uh, with my friend Francesco, mm-hmm. we take a couple of weeks every year to visit um, a specific region in Italy or outside mm-hmm. Italy and visit some wineyards. And I always try when I'm at dinner to explain them about wines uh, and explain the passion that I have. That's awesome. Wonderful. Sounds like my friends are always looking at me like, Kenna, tell us about this wine. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I get messages, you know, I'm at the store. Which I get wine, the t- Yeah, which wine should I, should I take? <laughs> when you get that text, what do you say? What are you eating or what do you want? Like, yeah, what's your price range? Especially what are you eating? And also um, to show me maybe a picture of the showcase, maybe I recognize some wines. Totally. And then I just tell them to go to one variety. Totally. What was your one of your recent recommendations? Uh, Sauvignon. Uh, it's a wine that I recommend a lot with uh, with fish, with raw fish, because mm-hmm. uh, it has a very nice acidity. Uh-huh. You know, there are some white wines that are too sweet, so they're not yeah. they, they do not go well with uh, with raw fish. Uh-huh. But yeah, with Sauvignon, it's a, nice. it's a very good choice for it. Made in Italy or somewhere else? Uh, in Italy, in Friuli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like love, Sauvignon uh, from Friuli a lot. Yeah. Yeah, That's me too. Awesome. It's one of the wine I prefer the most from uh, from Italy. The oh, nice. That's great. And then what might you qualify between, like, maybe young Italian wine consumers that are, like, our age, like, 20s versus your international friends? Like, are they drinking different things? Do you see them all with a passion for Italian wine? Like, what are their drinking habits look like? Here, I'd make a distinction. So between wine lovers and um, normal consumers, Obviously, wine lovers, because they know a lot about wines, they try to, to pick more the particular kind of wines, maybe the, the, the wines they, they don't know, mm-hmm. while the, the, the normal consumers usually are not too acquainted with the wine world, so they try to choose usually the wines that they heard about, so maybe the trendy wines, or they're attracted by the label, or and, and things like this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is a difference between these two yeah. types of... Uh, Do you think as evangelists for wine as we are do you think the goal is to make new friends of wine from those people who are not attracted to it currently and or strengthen the relationships with the wine lovers already with italian wine for example i would say that uh, winemakers in, in general like i'm not talking only about italy but in the world 
um, needs to improve the communication between the winery and the terroir with the end consumers because usually okay. uh, there is no contact at all between the producer and the end consumer because usually we pass through an importer or an agent and uh, so usually the, the end consumer do not get the information that the, the winery can give so when right. drinking a product they do not, they do not know about much about, about it while uh, there are many things that are very fascinating that can be learned during this, this thing. So, yeah, in my opinion, a goal that the wine world needs to have is the communication between the wine producers and, and okay. consumers. Reminds me of the phrase that the longest journey in life is the journey from the head to the heart. Yeah, exactly. Like this 12-inch distance is the longest journey in life, and it feels like somewhat of metaphysically a similar distance between the consumer and the producer of like this area of communication in between there like what makes up that space and what links them together you know yeah i agree oh that's wonderful you are so knowledgeable about the area and the wine industry and i'm very excited to see what more you will do so thank you for all that you do to share italian wine with others and for all the wines your family makes i can't wait to taste more of them i'll have to come back to vin italy to taste them i think yeah you're welcome also whenever you want to visit molise and the winery uh, we'll wait for you amen thank you so much cheers Chintin. Tante grazie for joining me today. Remember to catch our episodes weekly on the Italian Wine Podcast, available everywhere you get your pods. Salute.